Hey, leaders. Join Curtis, Lorna, and I as we talk to Jeremy Rollheiser, principal of St. Bruce School in Saskatchewan, and reflect upon the idea of you do as well as you know with what you know. As we talk about the connection between collaborative response and Simon Breakspear's learning sprints. And of course, highlighting the power and impact of collaboration. Putting the pieces together with Jigsaw Learning focuses on stories from the field as leaders implement collaborative response. Join us every month as we invite our partners to share how they are meeting the diverse needs of students with the integral understanding that every child deserves a team. So welcome back to another episode of Putting the Pieces Together with Jigsaw Learning. Curtis, Lorna, and I are joined today by Jeremy Rollheiser, who is the principal of St. Bruce School in Horizon School Division. Cool. Jeremy comes to us as a former shop teacher turned vice principal turned principal. So Jeremy, do you want to give a little bit of an introduction and uh, say hi to our audience for us? All right. Well, I am. Yes, I am Jeremy. Uh, yeah, I am the principal at St. Brew. I'm going into my second year as the principal at uh, St. Brew School. I was the vice principal there for three years prior. Prior to that, I was a pr vice principal in Kinistinal School, which is in Sask River School Division in Saskatchewan here. And prior to that, I was the shop teacher, welding teacher in St. Brew. Uh, and Lake Lenore. I used to be an itinerant teacher. Uh, during that time, Horizon School Division, we had, um, I forget the exact name, but it was collaborative uh, teacher groups, like on collaborative learning days. So a colleague and myself were kind of the leaders, so to speak, even though we weren't supposed to have leaders so much in those groups, but um, of the industrial arts kind of shop teachers in the school division. Uh, that was kind of the first time I'd ever been almost informally and organically introduced to how powerful like collaboration can be, like when people mm -hmm. are working towards a common goal. And then, yeah, in 2019, um, Curtis gave a presentation to Horizon School Division. That was my first year as the vice principal at St. Brew. And it's like, changed the way I thought about education leadership and then he came back in I think was it 2021 I think yeah, again I think so. Curtis in the yeah. fall and again like we were already going down this path I got a bunch of new information from you on that one and then you came back again like we just keep <laughs> I don't know we keep bringing you back and I'm okay with that so uh, so Jeremy, just to give the audience a bit of understanding of the school before we jump in with some questions, do you want to mm -hmm. share the grades, number of students, number of staff, just a few configuration kind of details? Yeah, so uh, we're a rural Saskatchewan school um, in a farming and industrial town. So St. Brew is home to Borgo Industries, who would be a world leader in air seeder technology. Um, there's more employees in town than there are people like at this factory because of some of the neighboring communities. Uh, so we're K to 12. We have around typically around 250 students and our diversity is uh, 
changing every year. So a number of years ago, you know, Borgo went overseas to bring back some foreign workers and predominantly uh, from the Philippines. And now we're actually seeing an influx of people from India. So our the school diversity is changing. So, and then also we were in 2016, we opened up a new school in St. Bruce or so buildings relatively new. And I, I guess new in turn, like we still have the old building. They added some new sections to it and totally renovated the whole thing. So we would have one of the well, we would have the nicest school in Horizon School Division. And actually, as part of that at Reno, I was still just the shop teacher. Uh, then I got to design and the new shop. Oh, nice. And we, it was like building a house with somebody else's money. Because I got to buy all the machinery and tools out of the catalog. <laughs> and got to, man, did I spend money? And, uh, <laughs> And I was the envy. I was the envy of many shop teachers. And then part of uh, having the Borgo Industries in town and other industries, like when you have such a big manufacturer, there are other uh, smaller industries in town for sure. They, I used to work in a partnership with them as a welding program. We would actually take our kids to Borgo with a journeyman person welder, and we would co-teach the course together. So. Just, we have a lot of great partnerships in town with our uh, businesses. So, and it used as uh, Jen, we prior to this conversation, you know, she had to make sure she could say Saint Brew properly, just the way it's spelt. <laughs> Working on her French, um, it yes, it has very uh, historical like French culture that is slowly becoming just more multicultural. Yeah. Uh, you know, you're more likely to hear other languages in town than French now, unfortunately. Uh, it's kind of sad, but that's Wait, same shift. Well, Jeremy, you had you just mentioned before about your first introduction uh, when Curtis came in and did an overview session and how that really uh, stood out to you. Can you share a little bit about what what really interested you in that first session and what was it that ignited your interest in collaborative response when you like i was a vice principal in another school division prior to that year too and i had been part of saint brew for a number of years before that and in horizon and i just i found that often you know we would be meeting informally all the time when teachers mm -hmm. do and and then the conversations just never left me feeling very positive mm -hmm. you know because they always and i think curtis and lorna you both say it like you know if you don't have the focus like it always ends up talking about student behavior yeah <laughs> and i just knew we needed something to guide these conversations so that we were having I don't know, just not wasting time because I'm not actually somebody that really enjoys like meetings. Yes. <laughs> like if we're going to meet, especially like when I think of all the education that can get into these rooms, you know, like and the the brain power and it's like all we're going to do is talk about basically complain like that just isn't how I want to operate. It just yeah. seems like a waste of time. So when you like showed us this model, I was like, yeah, this I'm like 
this is going to work. Like to have those, you know, those policies and procedures in place. And, you know, we didn't, it was not perfect. Like after that first time we met you in 2019. Yeah. But it was, it like at least put us in the right direction where we were talking about kids and we were talking about teaching more than anything. So describe to us then, Jeremy, what it currently looks like as you move into the new school year. Like how do you set up teams within your school? How often are they um, chatting? Just describe to us a little bit about what collaborative response looks like in the building. So one thing I've always struggled with uh, with the collaborative response is the scheduling piece Mm -hmm. of it. So in Horizon, we have some non-student days. And in the first like seven months of the year, they actually kind of line up that you can have time together every five weeks and you know or or even six weeks and and so it kind of just really worked out that way what happens you kind of in march there's like a non-student day like just in service day but then there's not one for the end of the year you know and that's a pretty big stretch not to have one oh we'll schedule those later and then it just never yeah. happens so yeah, yeah like in in June, we had, well, my vice principal and I, we actually like sat down and created a schedule now where we're going to meet in the mornings and not every team. Like we have, I guess I didn't say, like we have about 15 teachers on staff. We have four interns coming this year. And so we're going to make four teams and that will just meet kind of on a cycle. You know, okay. every four to five weeks, we'll just meet so that, in the end, they really only have eight meetings in the morning during the year, right? Like right. when I, I'm always mindful of people's time because I don't want to be wasteful of it. But then when you do the math, it's like, oh, you're actually really not asking for a whole lot if you're asking for 40 minutes before school every six weeks. Yeah. Like it's really not a whole lot of extra time. Right. Especially when it can have so much impact on your teaching practice. Right. So that's then those collaborative team meetings mm-hmm. that are cycling through. About yeah. how many teachers would you have on each team, Jeremy? Okay. About four. Yeah. And I would say we 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 make them grade like as possible. Like when you're in yeah. a K to twelve, like we only have one kindergarten teacher and one grade one teacher. Yeah. And we do have one split class now, just the way the numbers work out. So we try to K to three teachers are together. Right. And with the vice principal or myself. And then, uh, you know, the four, five, six teachers are together in the seven, eight, nine and the 10, 11, 12. And I mean, there's in a small rural school, there's some overlap. So you just got to pick and choose. And that'd be how we kind of make those groups. And then this year, just as I continue to develop um, just our collaborative response, I did a little bit of like meshing of like Simon Breakspear's work, like mm-hmm. with his teaching experience and just trying to, cause he's got some pretty good ideas too. So we're going to try to incorporate some of those ideas into our collaborative response that we use of your stuff, Curtis Lauren. Yeah. We've, uh, we've seen a number of schools that have woven in uh, Breakspear's work so that they would meet in a collaborative team meeting, identify students, key issues, and then develop a sprint uh, type mm-hmm. of topic and then work through that process and then use the collaborative team meeting 
to basically come back and how did that go? What did we learn? And now what's our next experience? Yeah. So it, it okay, so very nicely. I'm, yeah, it does. And like, I know like we're going to rework our uh, pyramid or I know we you call it continuum of intervention. Right. Ours has still got the pyramid look to it. And that's mostly because some of our uh, roll cards, you know, you got to be the Pharaoh or something, you know, I don't want to change all that. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Great. And uh like we do want to rework our continuum of supports a little bit this year mm -hmm. just to you know it should be redone every periodically right yeah so yeah, just yeah. to have like a literacy section and a numeracy section and behavior and whatnot just have kind of four different sections on there yeah and i guess part of my advantage there is i outside of the four interns who their eyes are going to be about this big when they walk in a school anyways <laughs> I don't have any new staff. Like we have not had a new teacher in our building outside of some like parental leaves mm -hmm. for like four years, probably. Oh, okay. wow. so, like, you know, we don't have to go over the business of how St. Brew school runs where we can just get to the business of teaching instead. So that's an advantage yeah. for you. <laughs> because there are lots of schools who have such great turnover that they're turnover, having to yeah. restart every year. Yeah. Well, yeah, like in just the onboarding, that like onboarding is expensive, like oh, not yeah. dollars wise, but just time. So, yeah. So, Jeremy, I have a question. Actually, I actually have two mm -hmm. questions, but I'm going to start with. Okay. So, my background is K to 12. I worked in a K to 12 school in rural Alberta here. And so, in your situation, do you and or your AP have teaching time as well? Uh, so, last year, um, we, I didn't. Uh, my vice principal, she's also the learning resource teacher or I don't know what the acronym you guys use in Alberta is, but it's all over the uh, board. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so she, between her role as the resource teacher and the vice principal, she didn't have specific classroom teaching time. And then, yeah, last year I own, I taught half a class in the second semester this year. And that was because it was my first year as principal. This year, I am going to go back to the classroom a little bit more. Uh, going to teach two classes, you know, science seven and some phys ed, I think, to the four or fives. I don't know who made this schedule. Like, why am I teaching these <laughs> So, yeah, I will be in the classroom for sure. And then, but my vice principal with her LRT role and uh, the vice principal role, she'll be, I mean, she'll be doing those small groups uh work where it actually works really good just as part of our pyramid of interventions you know like when she's yeah. a big part of that so that's kind of her role yeah. and then my second question for you because right. we're from alberta and you're from saskatchewan you talk yeah. about interns yes how does that work okay so that's uh part of the teacher education program in saskatchewan is to do a practicum in the schools and so i think we have one student coming from the u of r and then three students coming from the u of s and they get partnered with a teacher one teacher and they slowly build up to full-time teaching by the middle of october and then the classroom teacher is there to support them and you know part of their development as a teacher and then they slowly back off and they're with us until christmas that would count for i think 15 credits like at the university or like five classes so they spend this whole term and then they would 
I think most of them will go back to university for the winter term, like, and then they'll be teachers in March of next year. Great opportunity yeah. for them. That's yeah, and that's fun. awesome to have four more sets of hands yeah. in the building too. <laughs> yeah, we've sure. we've had one or two. They're usually in the fall. We've often had one or two, but mm-hmm. we've never had four. So four is a lot. <laughs> yeah, this will be this will be interesting. It'll be good. Four sounds like an exciting number for me when you hear how many teachers you have, because that's people want to be around kids and people want to teach kids. (laughs) They don't have to just stay with their one classroom teacher, right? Like I think for the three or four weeks and the U of R and the U of S are a little bit different. They need to, you know, be essentially take over their cooperating teachers course load. But then mm-hmm. after that, they're encouraged to kind of spread their wings, so to speak, and go and check out different areas. And yeah, especially if you're interested in teaching in rural Saskatchewan or rural Alberta, like you can't just think you're going to be a math teacher. Oh no, no. It does not happen that way. No. <laughs> it doesn't happen. No, and that's that's exciting because you had already talked about you know the limited time that we always have, and and mm-hmm. that buys you a little bit of time as with your teaching staff having that ability to have those interns there. That's exciting. So Jeremy, you talked about um, how collaborative response when you had introduced it, had really given you a focus that when you're coming together to engage in these discussions, can you talk a little bit about the data that you utilize to inform those discussions? And what are you looking at as a focus for your work um, coming into this school year? So actually, that was something that I had noted too. I remember, I think it was the second time you came, Curtis, where you talked about what can go wrong if you lack this piece of yeah. the puzzle. Right. Yeah. And and it was, we had just had a round of collaborative meetings prior to you coming in November of 2021. And I, and I like, I thought they went quite poorly. And then <laughs> after you like, went through all that information it's like oh yeah because i didn't we didn't have data yeah you know and i was like that's exactly how the meeting went so uh some of the data we do use now like and depends on what our focus is but i mean we have lots of like f and p data we're actually starting to take a little bit closer look at the comprehension of the f and p score right like really drilling down into that a little bit closer And we do a math screener at the start of every year. That's a Horizon initiative. I think maybe Mm -hmm. some other school divisions do it too. And we look at that to see on, you know, specific outcomes where the whole class is maybe struggling or specific students. We do, you know, everyone does their our school survey. We've actually created our own, um, and this is advantage of being a bit smaller of a school, we call it our connectedness. Uh, survey so just we actually survey the kids to find out how many adults in the building they feel a connection with Mm -hmm. and I mean more is better but you know if a kid only has one or two or zero like that's where you know we have a problem with that you know we want to address that concern because well I don't know the exact numbers, but we know like if students feel connected to the school, they are more likely to succeed. Mm-hmm. Um, this year, I or I, well, in the spring, and I'm going to have 
create for my like my admin assistant like an office referral kind of tracking form too that so that we can start taking a closer look at that data so and then i guess you asked about a focus for this year um to start with we're actually going to focus on like implementing i really want to implement like a, a whole school growth mindset initiatives mm-hmm. right so i don't know how we would track that data yet right now but that would be kind of a focus for our uh, combination of collaborative response and like that sprint mm-hmm. so to speak so implementing that more yeah that's something that i just the more i think about that whole like getting kids to self-regulate more and to build that resiliency i think that growth mindset can kind of help with that and that whole idea of connectedness fits perfectly within that that mm-hmm. you know the more connected children are with adults in the building the more successful they'll be the so. likelihood of engagement is higher too yeah 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 like having healthy adult relationships in the school can be just so impactful for kids and like i make sure like the on that data set because like kids do got to check off every like we just on the survey it's just pictures of every staff member with their name and like everybody like custodians and every teacher and ea and even the itinerant staff you know are on there because there are some people that would just feel connected to our career counselor that's only there once a week you know that's good information to know and i mean we do make sure that like teachers never see that right like we don't want them I don't want it to ever be a popularity contest. Contest, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it has Even though it's kind of becoming the, that. <laughs> when the vice principal and I, when we look at that data, and you know, you're looking at a certain student and, you know, somebody that maybe one of us works with quite often, and then they didn't check your name off. And it's like, huh, it's actually a good moment to be like, well, I think I'm doing things that are going to build a positive connection but obviously this kid doesn't feel like that and Mm -hmm. so then i need to like maybe think about the way i'm you know building a relationship with this kid a little bit differently so that maybe they'll feel the connection because i mean i can't at the end of the day i can't control if a student's going to accept you know anything i'm doing but i can definitely control the way i'm trying to connect with that kid i think it's interesting too jeremy Um, how you uh, are saying, you know, we're looking at this focus and we're not quite sure yet how we'll track or what Mm -hmm. we'll look at it. Like right in my head, it's ringing that whole ideation of ready, fire, aim of, you know, we just, we evolve and we continue to grow through the process as we go. Do you want to speak to that a little bit? Because I know that the way your school has developed your collaborative response, and you've talked about this already, has definitely grown and evolved as you've gone along this morning i was like looking over our first continuum of supports right and i just like oh man this thing's kind of garbage you know but i mean (laughs) at the time (laughs) at the time it was what we had um and then but you only you do as good as you know how right um so we you know we started with that yeah it worked and we had some you know i think i was just stealing pdfs off of different resources yours like making it work and then like where it really changed for us 
was in the spring of 2022 we like got together as a staff and like reworked the pyramid like really tore it apart and like built it back up to make it our own instead Mm -hmm. of like that first one where I kind of was copying and pasting different things from all over and we looked it over and teachers like yep like this works (laughs) and it was almost like that yeah we'll go along with this and then but it wasn't going away I think maybe they thought forget about it or something (laughs) it wasn't it didn't go away and then when we sat down and it was like no we're gonna make like we're gonna have some foundational practices in St. Bruce School like let's pick five or six or whatever number you guys think is necessary that we could see in every classroom in Mm -hmm. St. Bruce School whether it be kindergarten phys ed shop senior science whatever like you know some things that we can see in every foundational tier one practice exactly and then like just coming up and then within that like you know this foundational document now like having a process for what happens when a kid is moving from or into tier two you know like what are the first things you're going to do as a classroom teacher if you see a kid struggling like if they're mm-hmm. going into a tier two well, you know we spent like several hours and it worked out because we had two kind of non-student days within two weeks so after we met originally then i could i took all that you know sticky notes and then we reworked and then i made this new pyramid of interventions mm-hmm. Uh, with all that feedback from our teachers and then we got to present it and talk about it and then like really fine-tune it again and then everybody gave their stamp of approval like and it still stands out but had two colleagues one being a relatively new teacher at the time and one being pretty experienced and the newer teachers said like this was the best like staff meetings they've ever had Mm -hmm. just because we were she felt just especially it was after COVID, you know, people were a little bit down and it just really gave her a positive outlook into the future of how education was going to be in St. Brew. No. And the veteran teacher, she said that she wished she would have had a document like this when she was starting teaching. She knew she was going to benefit from it even now, like, you know, in the later stages of her career. And then we've now we've taken that document and we've turned it into a supervision or an observation document too, right? So that we, me as an administrator, like going to when I observe you, I'm bringing the pyramid of interventions in, and that's it. Like that's the only document that I can circle. And there's a spot on the back for notes and to, and questions and wonderings. And I'm gonna circle and highlight the things off this pyramid. Because those are the agreed practices in St. Bruce School. And then that's how we observe teachers. We've had, like, when we have peer observations, like when other teachers want to go into classrooms, and because we've done that in the past, they take the pyramid of interventions with them. And it's in every classroom. And I've, you know, worked pretty hard at uh, with our, like, our SCC, or School Community Council, like, our, mm-hmm. it's building up their, I guess, capacity for understanding what this pyramid of interventions is so that they can in the community talk about you know this is how st bruce school operates yeah how uh, respond, to, respond to kids and then the other thing we've just been slowly adding is just um kind of a google drive like a shared drive where 
you know, we plug all the agendas so they're all highly visible and you can just pull them off there like pre-meeting organizers, right? They're yeah. all on there and they're our own now. We have like a tier three folder, you know, for those few kids that do move into tier three. And I like that we have like when a kid moves into tier three, you just have a file for them, like a Google Doc, and you keep referencing that same agenda and you just keep adding you know, the mm-hmm. next section there, we met again, here's what we talked about, here's what we're trying, and we're moving on. That SBS collab also works, like the Google Drive folder works as a share location, you know, so teachers can upload some of their best work into there. So we're sharing some resources that way. Oh, and I guess, well, what I've been slowly adding now is uh, break spirits, that boulder, pebble, sand, like, so when mm-hmm. we're going through learnings you know we can use that document as a focus for our learning so that they're just you know if if teachers can improve just and this i guess is even a james clear and Mm -hmm. bj frog like the tiny habits and atomic habits like you know you just change the smallest bits and eventually they compound into something much larger so well, and if you're doing that collectively through your teams mm-hmm. as well, that has such a accumulated impact over time. Jeremy, yeah. you have shared so, so much, but I, I go back to a statement that you made earlier in our conversation here is around your focus on teaching. And it clearly is reflected in your development of your continuum of supports, the focus on data, the mm-hmm. even the classroom walkthroughs. And I love to hear that interconnectedness, like how you're making connections between all of those Everything pieces we do in, the school. in a yeah. consistent way. Yeah. And you talk lots about um, that data piece too, and how important that's become for you. Do you lead a process at the beginning of the year around data? And what does that look like? So actually we, at the, our last day together in June did a, uh, a data walk together as a staff and just to look at like we actually have every individual kid like on you know some of these different spreadsheets depending on their grades so that we can really look at well every kid right and see the growth or nor not so we did that in this in the spring this year our school division for our learning improvement plans Typically, they give us a day in October, which is kind of funny to only make your learning improvement plan like six weeks into the school year. But this year, that day is actually during that first week prior to kids getting there. So we're excited to be able to have a day with our staff to look at last year's data again. Like we won't have to go into as much detail because we did do it in the spring and then come up with well, where are we going this year? Like, what are the, you know, the one or two things we're going to try? Because, you know, you can't do it all in one year. Mm. Yeah. And so we're looking forward to having that opportunity with staff to look at the data, you know, find that one positive thing or the two or three positive things, because there's lots. And maybe the one thing you're concerned about, mm-hmm. and then like, what are you going to do about it? And what I actually would have done in the spring is, have them fill out a bit of a questionnaire, put their name on it, stick it in an envelope. I haven't even looked at them yet because I 
I know like in the heat of the end of the school year, I'll be writing some stuff down and then I'll try to forget it in July. And <laughs> yeah. I hope some of my staff have done that too. And then this will be a good opportunity for them. It's like, remember what you were thinking about in June? Yeah. Well, now here we are in August and it's like, oh yeah, okay. Now maybe a bit of a different perspective because you've had that time to sit on it for a little while. And then we'll we'll see what uh, they have to say about how we're going to improve learning at St. Brew this year. That's awesome. The, we have great advantage in education about being able to take that break and and change your mindset eh? mm-hmm. during that summer time. Yeah. Well, and I really like how, again, uh, Lorna alluded to it, but you talking to Jeremy, how everything connects and we're mm-hmm. always just trying to utilize the way we're creating a collaborative response for just incremental improvements. Like, I think that's so critical to understand that we're doing really great things, but how can we just continue to leverage the next steps? I sometimes think of it as like a ratchet, right? You just want to keep ratcheting just a little bit. You don't, yeah. like you don't need to go a full revolution every year or whatever, but just, you know, incremental changes can have a huge impact. Jeremy, I get so excited when Curtis and Lorna introduce me to new people because I don't get out and about much anymore. And so I've really enjoyed listening to you work through how you're doing things in St. Bruce School. And it's very obvious that you are a reflective educator. So I'm going to ask you a question. This question is brought to you by WeCollab. Designed by educators for educators, this comprehensive digital system aligns with the foundational components of collaborative response. Moving from conversation to action, WeCollab empowers classrooms, schools, and systems to provide the very best response for each and every child by informing action-based decision-making with data and evidence supporting student success. In the spirit of, if you knew then what you know now, what advice would you give yourself around the implementation of collaborative response? Because I've all, I kind of alluded to it at the start and I continue to struggle with it, honestly, is the, is really diligently scheduling everything like prior to the school year starting. And so like this year I'm excited because, and I talked about it for like two years and like, I think the last time, like when Curtis and Lorna and you had another colleague there mm-hmm. and we'd like, I kept, I was still frustrated, like with the scheduling piece. And then the year before I was like, how are we going to schedule this? So to really just have a pretty firm schedule and stick with it, I think it's going to be hugely impactful for me because I can almost, I don't want to say I'm going to be on cruise control, but if I have it scheduled, I will get it done and I'll take care of it. But if it's not, then it kind of gets put on to the, oh, next week. We would love to reconnect with you again in like January to see how that, yeah. <laughs> those consistent scheduling and how how it's made a difference to you. Because we we talk about this often about moving from that reactive state where you're just bringing people together whenever you can but actually when you schedule things out and you have that dedicated time to be able to come back 
to whatever team that is meeting that you really move into that proactive piece mm-hmm. of, you know, we know what's coming, we know what has happened, we know what we've put in place already, and then being able to move forward on those next steps. So we'd love to see how it goes for you. Okay. Feel free to check in. <laughs> well, Jeremy, do you have any last thoughts you would like our audience to know about collaborative response, about Curtis and Lorna, about the experiences that you've had? The only thing I would say is just like, I would just want to thank you for all the time. And I know it's part of your job, but all the trips you've made out to uh, Humboldt to our central office to, uh, you know, spend time with myself and my colleagues to build up our like collective principal efficacy just thanks for all the work you're doing because it is really powerful stuff and you guys are on the right track. Well, thank you so much, Jeremy. And yeah, always enjoy being able to connect with Mm -hmm. you and your colleagues and make that trip out to Humboldt. So thank you so, so much. And we want to thank you for starting out your new school year with us. (laughs) We're in a, in about an hour, we're going to leave on a boys fishing trip. So my son and some nephews and my, uh, Awesome. awesome my brothers and stuff and so i'm gonna be i don't know if i'm gonna be able to focus on fishing i might just <laughs> the nice thing about oh. fishing is you get some time to think oh yeah until they bite <laughs> yeah. yeah i'm not too concerned if they do that or not so <laughs> well you have a wonderful time uh, yes. fishing with your family and and we wish you all the best as you start your new school year. And don't forget yeah. to reach out if there's anything yeah. that you have questions yeah. about. And I will. Thank you so much. Ensuring success for all students is a moral imperative for all schools, but it takes a highly coordinated framework of structures and processes to maximize the collective capacity of the team. In Collaborative Response, three foundational components that transform how we respond to the needs of learners We share an organizational mindset that involves fundamental shifts for schools and districts. Numerous school and district examples, as well as access to a large number of resources, are provided within the text and in the accompanying companion website. Join the growing number of schools using collaborative response to ensure high levels of success for students and staff stemming from the essential belief that every child deserves a team. I have to say thank you to you guys because you bring me these incredible people to talk to. And I get to hear, again, the journey and the growth that happens from the introduction to, okay, so we we knew then, but now we understand more. So we're going to do this now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, and I can remember, too, some of those first engagements with Horizon and Jeremy stood out as someone that was in the conversations and really reflective. Like you could see the 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 concentration and the thought that was going on and the connections that were being made. It wasn't always vocalized um, within the larger group setting, but each time he'd come back, uh, he'd be able to share, okay, here's what we've set up from the last time and it was really remarkable it, I think it really speaks to any of the leaders that are listening here that idea of ongoing implementation uh, and I mentioned it in our conversation that ready fire aim mm-hmm. understanding it's not going to be perfect at 
any stage, really. It's it's ongoing development and that we're continuing continually enhancing and building upon the collaborative response in our building. And you heard him talk about, you know, now we've created a consistent schedule. Now we've gone back and refined our continuum of supports. Now we have a data piece and now we're looking at another data piece that'll inform. I, I really love that reminder from him of it's an ongoing evolution. But the one thing from that that really stood out to me too was when he was talking about the development of his continuum of supports and how kind of borrowed things when they first started but then actually moving it to uh, teacher involvement and decision making around what actually goes on that continuum yeah. and I I love that there was that clear development and knowledge that we actually need to move it to a process so that our team who are currently in our building now have um, some, not just buy-in, but they have clear involvement in the development of that continuum wow. because it becomes much more meaningful to the staff when they're using it too. Well, and I think he really spoke to the idea of that continuum development being all about yeah. a conversation about teaching and yeah. learning. Yeah. And then I love the application. And we've heard of several uh, systems that have done that of taking the continuum and really refining tier one so that we get commonly understood what do we agree will be the best practices we'll see in every classroom. And then utilizing that as a source when engaging in walkthrough observations. And yeah. I loved even the, yeah. you know, peer to peer. I, I'm thinking about those four intern yeah. teachers that he was yeah. talking oh about. What gosh, an incredible so resource powerful. for them to yeah. be able to say, here's the things that you should be able to see in our classrooms for each and every student, whether you're coming into a kindergarten classroom or a senior sciences, like you said. And you know what? The other thing that really stood out to me uh, with Jeremy, too, was the fact that you know, we we sometimes engage in this. Well, we always engage in in strategic planning and work going forward because we want to see a difference for our students. That's our goal at, in education: is we want mm -hmm. to see a difference yeah, for we want kids. To make a difference. But uh, Jeremy continually referred to that focus on teaching. That we know that we're going to make a difference to students when we focus on teaching. And you do that in a way that is in the moment and within the conversations, within the defined collaboration that they have established in their school and on the continuum of supports and the, <laughs> and the data and every, the evidence, every piece of that mm -hmm. is really focused on teaching. As he talked about the development of the continuum of supports and then the implementation into, like you said, Curtis classroom, classroom walkthroughs, supervision, and so on, and the peer observations, I'm like, this is what we do with students when we develop criteria around rubrics and mm. how we help them implement it. And, and wow, like as a, the power of, as a teacher, I now know it is very clear in front of me where sometimes those evaluations, I mean, you get the, the nervous adrenaline as a result of just having someone else in your classroom. And then sometimes you're not really sure what they're there watching and what kind of feedback you might get. Like this is a very clear process now. 
And I like it as a teacher because I would own it then because I was part yeah. of the process that said, here's what we agree to. Yeah, so connected, right? Everything is so connected. It's so Everything awesome. is so connected. And he said that a handful of times. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll quick summarize here uh, a few key learnings, right? First one being ongoing development. He talked a lot about the, the reflection and the connections and okay, we learned this over here, but actually that implements over there. So it's never done. Collaborative response is not something you do and walk away from. It really is about that ongoing tweaking to continue to improve things, which leads to another one around the focus on improving things for students, but really doing that through the focus on teaching, mm -hmm. building up that collective efficacy. And then I wrote down, something borrowed to something built <laughs> yeah. that, that idea of, okay, so we do the best with what we know. And so we started out building a continuum based on things other people were using because we needed something to start with, but the power that comes from the co-development of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And again, that really does point to, and he mentioned it with the repeated visits to the school division that each time we're adding another piece, mm -hmm. another understanding and, and that cyclical nature of, of change and growth in a school. But little by little, right. Which, which takes us to his analogy of the ratchet, which, you know, just a little bit at a time, we keep making these shifts and we make these improvements and yeah, yeah. Such a, a powerful way to look at things. And I will highlight how much he appreciates the ongoing support from you two as a team. I mean, this is this is what you do, right? You mm. you go in, but you know that you need to give time and space for things to be tried, and then you go back in and ask some questions. It's not a it's not a cookie cutter. It's not a it's not a, a hammer and a nail. It really is about that ongoing support and your master facilitators and the incredible questions that you ask people to consider in their process so that they can have ownership of what they're doing in their schools. So he highlighted that. And so I'm going to put it here because that's, that's why I love working with you. <laughs> well, thanks, Jen. We're excited to um, have a whole new season of these conversations and continue to learn alongside incredible leaders that are doing great things for their staff who in turn are doing amazing things for their students and school communities. So we really excited for our, our conversations this year. So lucky to be able to engage with such incredible leaders and educators. For more on collaborative response, visit jigsawlearning.ca or join the JL Insider to receive access to newly added resources and content. Make sure to follow us on social media Subscribe to the podcast and the Jigsaw Learning YouTube channel to access past and upcoming episodes. Join us again for more conversations about establishing, refining, and deepening collaborative response.